Amen. Well, have a seat, everyone. Some of you already have, and thank you, worship team. Uh, just great to lift up our voices to the Lord. It's a pleasure for me to be here and share God's word with you again this morning. Uh, Pastor Jeff has been kind to give me some opportunities to serve in this way, and um, I consider it a great privilege, especially as we're talking about joy. And I hope I didn't cut someone off. Are we lighting the joy candle? I may have sneaked in in front of someone, or maybe that's my responsibility here. You're like, this is what happens when you get, <laughs> when Pastor Jeff isn't up here making sure the job gets done. <laughs> You know, I'm going to be honest, we, we need to light the joy candle. There's no two ways about it. Wonderful. Look at this. This is great. Uh, thank you for your impromptu service. The pink one, it represents joy. And uh, before you light it, can I just read something? We're going to work as a team here. Today we light the third candle in the Advent wreath, which represents joy. When the shepherds followed the angel's promise and found the Christ child, great joy was theirs. For anyone who follows in their steps, the same is true. There is great joy in finding Jesus, the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Amen. Well, thank you. See, the Lord brings things together. You know, a little bump in the road, it happens to all of us, but God is in control, and uh, we learn that. We learn that in all sorts of ways, and today actually is about, it's nice in a way that that happened, because today is all about the unexpected, and we're talking about uh, shepherds, and uh, what they expected to have happen on that night was very, very different than what God brought about. God had other plans. He often does, doesn't he? We have things kind of scheduled out, and we think we know how it's going to go, and, and God shows up, and he reminds us that he is in control, we're not. Now, that's a good thing. I love that he's in control. I love that he often surprises me in ways I would never expect, and it's, it's beautiful to watch it. A little tough at times, but in the end, it's just beautiful. And so we'll see that today as we look at this famous passage uh, regarding the joy and the good news of great joy, if you have uh, the handout, we talked about that in the title. We're looking at Luke 2. I want to start, though, with a question here. What brings you joy at Christmas time? Maybe it's just being with family. Christmas is about being with family. Maybe what brings you joy at Christmas time is all the goodies and treats that you will be eating all of the time. Maybe that's what brings you uh, joy. Maybe it's the sweaters. You love the Christmas sweaters, and you have one picked out for each day or, or once a week, and it's the greatest thing. Uh, maybe it's all the decorating in your home. Some of you have so many decorations, and they're in the attic, or they're stored somewhere, and uh, you, you get them out, and it's a huge thing. Uh, maybe it's putting up the lights. I put the lights up on our house yesterday. And my neighbor sees me doing it. And he's like, how are you doing? I said, I'll be doing a lot better when this is done. It, it honestly didn't bring me a lot of joy to put them up. But there's joy when you plug it in and they work. 
And that, I was like, they work, they're on, right? Maybe what brings you joy at Christmas is all of the Christmas movies. Hallmark, and everyone's got in on this now, right? Netflix, Prime. In fact, I think, I, th I think it's actually statistically impossible to turn on your TV and not watch a Christmas movie this time of year. I mean, I cannot believe how many there are, and we're watching our fair share in, in the Randall household. Maybe uh, what brings you joy uh, most of all, though, is the gift-giving or receiving part of Christmas. So there's two parts of it, right? For it to work out, someone has to actually purchase and give the gifts, and someone has to receive them. There's two parts of the story. So let me ask you, this is a show of hands kind of thing. Of the two, either the giving the gift or receiving it, okay? How many of you prefer the buying and giving of the gift? That, you really enjoy that. Wow, wow, a lot of hands go up. How many of you actually really enjoy the receiving the gift part of the story? Okay, come on. I think way more hands should be going up. I held mine up not just to encourage you because it's actually true. I, I love receiving. That's my love language, I think. Pastor Jeff preached on that. The receiving of gifts. The gift part of the Christmas story is exactly what leads us into today's message. Because the great joy was because God gave his son Jesus. And we're going to read about that huge announcement, what it meant for the shepherds, and what we can learn as a result. So if you want to uh, follow along with me, I'm in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 8 and go from there. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, please guide our hearts now as we take a closer look at your word to us. We want to receive it humbly, with openness, a willingness just to obey and respond as you would have. I pray, Lord, with it there would be encouragement, conviction, a challenge, and that we would understand you much more than we have before. Thank you for this amazing story, for the good news of great joy that the shepherds received and we have received. We give you all the praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, I want to take a closer look at this passage and with three different points that I'll have you consider. And each of them sort of point to why there's so much joy, why this is a season of joy, why joy is this big part of Advent, and why the shepherds have this great joy. And so the first point is this, why is there joy? The angel of the Lord appears. What it seemed to be just another night shift for these lowly shepherds suddenly changes. And I don't know what it was like that night for them. I don't know if any of you ever had jobs where you have to work at night. It can be a little rough. Sometimes just staying awake can be a little tough. But that's what they have. They have this, these flocks and they need to keep watch over them. So they're out in the fields with these sheep protecting and watching over them. But suddenly it all changes because the angel of the Lord appears. And when God appears, joy will follow if we are one of his own. And it says suddenly it happened. That alone would get the angel's attention. But then it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now that word glory, the Greek word suggests the thought of the Shekinah glory, the cloud of, of intolerable brightness, which was God's divine presence in the tabernacle and the temple. And who does God appear to in that way? Shepherds, these lowly, looked down upon social outcasts. The educated and wealthy, the spiritual elitist viewed shepherds as unclean, uneducated, and low class. And one report said they couldn't even be witnesses in the courts because they were considered untrustworthy. But the angel shows up to them. And there's a point here for us all. What had been the privilege of patriarchs and prophets and priests is now granted to shepherds. And the first proclamation of the good news of great joy was to those who were poor in their outward life as well as in spirit. What a moment to be valued that much. What joy. But God does this throughout the Bible. He appears when people least expect it. And maybe he appears to those who you wouldn't think he would appear to. Young and old, men and women, apostles, the prophets, Moses, Samuel, David, Mary, the multitudes. We don't have to be a spiritual giant to have God show up in our lives. God's favor rests on us all, and that's a reason for joy. An angel of God appears, and soon enough, the Son of God does too. And there's something joyful in just the appearance and presence of our God. Years ago, many years ago, I was a kid, right? And I watched this movie, it was The Waltons. I don't know if that name means anything to, to you, but was the Waltons, right? And it ended up being a TV show. But it started with this Christmas special. And the whole special, you're just wondering, is dad going to make it home? Is he going to appear? And the kids are watching. Mom's watching. She's alone. She's got all, I don't know how many kids they had, like 15, 30 kids. I don't know. There was a lot of kids. It was a big family. And, and she's got all these kids. And, and, and there's just a big climactic, amazing scene at the end when, when dad appears and he has gifts for the kids. They're just such simple little gifts, but he's there. He makes it home. He shows up. And there's something about that in this moment when the Lord appears. It's Advent, the arrival, and there is joy in that. There's something I want us to hear in this, though, because this is a huge historic moment 
And though the application and the joy we all have is that God will appear in our lives too. Obviously nowhere near as big and, and nothing like this in that sense. I'm not trying to do an apples for apples comparison. But Jesus says he'll be with us always, even to the end of the age. It's a wonderful thought. But here's something I want us to take to heart, though. His appearing is in his timing, not ours. This was not planned by the shepherds. One of them didn't say to the other, hey, you, you, you worked out that thing with the angel, right? It's going to happen tonight, right? You set that up. There's no setting up. God determined the timing. And the angels were completely surprised by it. And we need to remember this. Because otherwise our joy can be lost. Each day we go through it trusting, waiting, knowing that God in his own way and time will show up. He will appear in some way. He will respond. And just knowing that makes me joyful. It's out of my hands but I sure like whose hands it's in, an all-loving, almighty God. And so I wait on him, not knowing how he'll show up or when, but knowing he loves me and his presence will be made known. And it'll be just so beautiful and good when it happens. And yeah, it might surprise us, but that's just one of the things about our sovereign and amazing God. And, and what's so great about it is he shows up even though we don't, deserve it he's so good to do that remember doubting thomas right? a week after jesus rose all the apostles got to see him but not thomas so is thomas just like you know what he's going to show up i believe i know he rose i believe no he's doubting like crazy everyone's telling him this testimony he's pushing back he's refusing to believe it but what does jesus do he appears just for Thomas. Says, see my hand and side. Stop doubting and believe. He gives him a little rebuke. But he does it in love. And he appears for him. And he still does that. How does God appear now? Let me give you a few things to watch for. Sometimes Jesus appears in a still small voice. It's just you, you hear the Lord. He's just speaking to you. It's not audible. It's not like it's out loud. But, but there's something in your heart, and God just, he's just speaking to you. He's just giving you a word to remind you he's with you, he's near. And, and listen for that. Have just open heart, open ears for that still small voice. Sometimes he does it with just an assurance. He just gives you such an assurance or a peace. That'll be the other candle we light, but it's just an assurance that he's with you, and it, and it settles you, and it gives you a sense of confidence and, and just comfort and an assurance that he is near, and he's got this. And you're like, ah, I don't know how it's going to all work out, but I just have such an assurance. God, he's here with me. He's with us, and it's going to work out. And that, that's just a wonderful thing of, of how he shows up. Sometimes God shows up and appears through someone else. He just speaks through someone. And the timing is amazing. What they share with you, and you're like, wow. You can't believe you're telling me this right now. Because you know it's just totally of the Lord. It's just the words you needed to hear, and it so directly connects to what you're dealing with, and you're just like, wow. And, and it's just God's way of affirming, yeah, he's here. He is near to you, and he's appearing in that way. Sometimes it's through a conviction. 
He just puts a conviction on your heart and you're like, yes, Lord, that is of you. And sometimes he appears through scripture. You're reading a verse. Maybe you're going through a specific reading. Maybe you just randomly open the Bible. But somehow you're in the word and you're like, oh my, that's the verse I needed to hear. I didn't necessarily want to read it. But Lord, you knew I needed to read it and you brought it to me. Sometimes that's how he appears, just through his word. But in his perfect timing, the angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds. The Son of God appears, and he hasn't stopped. He continues to show up in our lives. So there's joy in that. There's joy in knowing I'm not alone. God is here. Here's the second point I want us to take to heart in this, from this passage. The angel of the Lord, first of all, appears... But then the angel of the Lord assures. There's an assurance that is given to these terrified shepherds. Because that's their first response. They are petrified. They're terrified at what they see. It happens so big, so suddenly, and the glory of the Lord, and they are completely terrified at this surprise. Some of you maybe can relate. You Maybe you... You're just walking somewhere and someone just appears and they scare. This happened to me literally yesterday. I walk in the house and, and Lee somehow just appears from out of nowhere. And I'm like, ah, and then I'm like, oh, oh it's just you, you know. And, and some of you probably love these moments. You actually live for finding ways to scare people in your own home or your life because you just get a kick out of it. You know, the big surprise, boo, right? Well, these angels are experiencing something far bigger than that. And so they're terrified. They're absolutely terrified. But the, angel, or the, the shepherds are terrified. Uh, the angel then immediately reassures. Right? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. They are responding to what they see and what they're feeling. And the angel wants them to understand that even though you're overcome with fear, this really isn't a fearful moment at all. And the angel goes on to share this wonderful news. But there's something I want us to hear in this assurance, because this is our God. This moment is history in the making. And their immediate feelings really don't matter that much. Big picture, right? But in the moment, they matter to the angel. Because before the angel even shares the good news about the Savior, the angel deals with them. You're terrified. So first and foremost, let me calm you. Let me be aware of how you're feeling and bring a little help to that. And it's a beautiful moment. Because so often God is working in our lives and he's accomplishing some really big things in and through us. But in the moment, we don't see that. We're just caught up in fear. And so God in his love and his grace assures us and he speaks to our fear and and he gets us through that and strengthens us so that he could then take us to the next things that he's unfolding and wants to see happen in our lives. And I love the compassion of the angel in this moment just to say, do not be afraid. We're getting to something far bigger than your terror, but I'm going to give you some assurance in the moment. It's throughout the Bible. It's our God. 
Let me give you some examples of when God is just assuring us and assuring us. Joshua 1.9. It says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Those are words of assurance to overcome the fears that Joshua was feeling. Here's one from 2 Timothy. The Apostle Paul is writing Timothy, trying to assure him. This is 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. A spirit of fear in and of the Lord. That's not something he gave us. He gave us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, when we believe there's all kinds of amazing gifts that come with that. Fear isn't one of them. He did not give us a spirit of fear. And then Luke 12, 32, Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What a gift, the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, fear not. Sometimes when the Lord surprises us, our first reaction is fear. But we need to be willing to say, Lord, is this something good you're doing? And I just don't see it yet. And in the moment, I'm full of fear. And yet, strangely, ironically, I should be feeling the exact opposite. Because God is at work, and he's changing things up. He's doing something I could never imagine or expect. And so fear in how I should be reacting at all, hope and faith, expectancy of what God is doing. I think we all need to be willing to say that sometimes, even though fear is the first reaction we have, and it's where we start, it's not where we need to stay. And we need to give it to the Lord and pray about it. The shepherds are experiencing something so big and unexpected. Yeah, they react with fear. And maybe we can relate, even though the difference of the circumstances are significant. But it's not where God wants us to stay. And it's something we need to bring to the Lord and say, Lord, please don't let fear consume me. Please let me move past this and not make it the defining factor in my life and in my faith. Years ago, I had a situation where I was uh, pastoring, and um, for different reasons, some of the key leaders had left the church. They felt called to different churches to work in different ministries, and it was hard. And I started dealing with just some fear, like, Lord, who's next? You know, what, what's going to happen? And it, it was in my head a lot. And God in that time, and though, worked it out where I went on a retreat with other pastors. And there was a bunch of pastors from all over the state. It was in Northern California. And one of the pastors in particular, I was just sharing what was going on. And he was older than me and wiser. <laughs> and he said, um, he said I, I've been through that. He said, but let me tell you something. You keep serving the Lord, seeking him. When people leave, God brings you those who are even better for you. And oh, were those words true. It was amazing to watch that unfold. I, was, I just was in awe as I continued to pastor and serve the Lord and the leaders and the people God brought in. And they gelled with my personality, my style, my vision, and, 
It was an amazing thing to watch. And that fear just gave way as I saw God show up again and again and again. And that's our God. He not only appears, he assures. And he gives that assurance to these shepherds. So I want to ask you, is fear a reoccurring part of your life? And if it is, it's time to face that. I think it's time to look at that and say, Lord, you didn't give me a spirit of fear, but it, it comes up a lot. And I get fearful of this or that. It might be a health thing. It might be something with family, work. But, you know, fear is, it gets, it gets the best of me more than it should. And I think it's time to just say, Lord, okay, I'm completely giving this over to you. Because you didn't give me a spirit of fear. You've shown up and you've assured me in so many ways. And Lord, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to ask your spirit to overcome those fearful thoughts and replace those thoughts with faith. Just a trust and a confidence. God, you're in this. I'm tired of being the terrified shepherd who's just moments away from seeing the Son of God. The greatest story in human history unfolded in that moment. I'm tired of being a terrified shepherd. I need to get past that. I want to be a shepherd who's looking on the Christ child, rejoicing and praising Almighty God for what he's done. Let's give this over to the Lord. Let's turn our fears to him and replace them with faith. So that's the second thing I see in this passage as the angel works with them and brings them through it. Then the third point is this. This is the, the greatest reason for joy is simply this, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior has been born to you. And when I say to you, that's what they hear, to the shepherds, but the Savior was born to Mary, to Joseph, to the wise men, and to all of us. By God's grace, we have a Savior. And so we can be full of joy because of what he's done and who he is. He saved us from our sin, from our sin nature, he saved us from eternal death, and because of him, we can have eternal life. In our own, we could never reach God. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough, wise enough. We certainly aren't holy enough to make it all the way up to an almighty, perfect God. So he came down to us. He knew what we needed, and he came down with all of his love and grace what an amazing God to stoop so low to save us from our sins, to save us from hell, from death. He saves us from a meaningless, empty life. He saves us from the attacks of the evil one, from our sin nature, from all of that and more. And he saves us for himself. He wants to be with us and he wants us with him. What an amazing thought that he would just delight in spending time with us and being with us forever. And because of that, we have great joy. And even in that great joy, there's times of grief and sorrow, of course. There's times even where Jesus mourned and grieved. That's part of how God created us and one of the ways we show love. But the abiding way we approach life is with great joy because we are forgiven, we're saved, we're filled with the Spirit, and we're secure in Him forever. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, and that brings joy. And Jesus promises no one will ever take your joy away. So if you're wanting more of this Christmas joy, what do we do? Let me give you some practical things that I hope will be helpful. 
First and foremost is this. If we're going to be full of joy, we must find our joy in the Lord, not our circumstances. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoice in the stock market, right? Rejoice in the weather, although it's nice to have a rainy day, but there's a lot of things that are a part of our lives and can consume us, but the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. When Paul writes that, he's in prison, and he's going through all kinds of difficult circumstances. Friends are suffering, there's persecution, there's different sins weighing on the soul and on the church. But Paul, in the midst of that, writes, even with those bad things going on, rejoice in the Lord always. He is the source of our joy. He is the focus of our joy. Our joy does not come from circumstances. God will use those sometimes, sure. But ultimately, our joy is in the Lord. He is the source of it. I hope you can, can capture that and hold on to that. A friend of mine who's walked with the Lord many years has a little letter he sends out. and Recently, he talked about his love for cinnamon. He just loves cinnamon. Cinnamon bagels, cinnamon toast, the smell of cinnamon candles or cinnamon. He just loves it. And this time of year, cinnamon is all the rage, right? It's there with uh, pumpkin. I think they're good, good chums that are around a lot this time of year. But he said in his article that was interesting, he said he somehow stumbled upon something that, that let him know or informed him that almost all cinnamon comes from, or the majority anyway, one of the biggest exporters, Sri Lanka. And he'd never known that. And he thought, wow, that's the source of so much of, of what I love here. And he made the connection that so often we're focusing our joy here without thinking of the source. The source of our joy is the Lord, and we must rejoice in him always. He provides and guides, he blesses, he helps, he convicts, and he loves. He is the one we should rejoice in. Here's another verse on that uh, from Nehemiah. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, when Nehemiah wrote that again, the nation was going through a very tough Time. And I'm not going to give away the details because Pastor Jeff's going to be preaching out of Nehemiah in the new year. But that verse is so good for us. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And God's strength empowers them to continue on in light of very difficult circumstances. So we need to find our joy in the Lord, not circumstances. Here's another way we find joy in the Lord. Be faithful with what you have. Just be faithful with what you have. We're constantly bombarded with what others have. And oftentimes it's more than we have. So some, somehow it's how it works out. And somehow we see us compared to them and, and it just seems like they're further along. But God just tells us to be faithful with what he's blessed us with. And one of the great verses on this is from Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. And you remember, Jesus gives one five talents, one two talents, and one gets one talent. And at the end, when they give an account for what they did, how they were faithful or not with what they had, you know how the story goes. To two of the three who took their talent and doubled it, or talents and doubled them, what does Jesus say? 
It says this, verse 21 and 23 of Matthew 25. His master said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Joy. That's an interesting statement. There's joy in just being faithful with what God has entrusted to us. And when you are, when you take, I've got this talent, I've got this gift, I'm going to use it. I see how many people serve in this church, our worship team, our ushers, those who help prepare the food, just on Sunday morning saying, hey, I have this talent, I have this skill, I have this ability to serve, I just want to use it to forward the Lord's work. And, and he says, when we're faithful in that way, there's joy. Enter into the joy of your master. And if some of you feel like there's an emptiness and that joy isn't there, it might be that he's given you talents or, and gifts and abilities and you're not using them. And, and they're going to waste. And, and if, you, if you take that step of faith and say, Lord, I want to be faithful with what you've given me, and you, and you are, oh, the joy that comes with that. It's a promise from the scripture. Here's another thing. If you're lacking joy or wanting more joy in your life, the joy of the Lord, simply ask. Go to the Lord more faithfully in prayer. This is what it says. Jesus says this, John 16, 24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask and keep on asking. Go to the Lord in prayer. He says, when you do that, he responds, he provides, and with that comes joy. Our joy is fulfilled when through our prayer life, we're asking and we're seeing what God does. It draws you closer to the Lord, it builds a connection, and you see him show up in big ways. But we need to ask in his name, according to his will. We need to go to him in prayer and ask, ask, and don't get discouraged and give up. I'm a tennis fan, and so I like to follow the different pros in the sport. And there was a clip just the other day, Roger Federer, one of the greatest tennis players who's ever lived, and uh, won Wimbledon, I think, eight times, right? He's, uh, he's a legend if you follow tennis. He's just retired. He was at Wimbledon unannounced. This is like happened two weeks ago. One of the greatest tennis players ever lived. And he shows up at Wimbledon with his coach and the security guard's there. And he's like, hey, I just wanted to come in and visit, you know, and, and maybe have some tea or just see some of the staff. And the security guard's like, well, do you have a membership card? <laughs> and he's like, well, I, I don't have one with me, but he, he said, I've, I've won this tournament like eight times. If you just win once, you're automatically made a member for life. So he's like, I, I really am a member. I just don't have... And she wouldn't let him in. She wouldn't let him in. But he kept asking and approaching different ways. And she said, well, okay, you can go around and check with someone else. So he went around to that side of the complex. And he asked and asked. And they, yes, let him in. Of course, then they're like, Roger Federer, of course, come in. Welcome. And, you know, they roll out the red carpet. They're so thrilled to see him. But the point is, he didn't give up. And he just kept on asking. Small, silly example, but with our God, he says, continue to ask. He even tells a parable of a widow and an unjust judge. 
and says she just kept badgering that judge. And he says, if an unjust judge will finally say yes, how much more will a just God say yes when his children come to him and ask? So Jesus says it here, you haven't asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And then the final thing I want to share with you on fulfilling or just receiving this joy at this time of year is follow the Lord. The shepherd's joy is fulfilled. Their joy is received the greatest. Why are they praising God? Why are they declaring the wonders of God? Because they went to where Jesus was. When the angel gave them this huge announcement, in Bethlehem, you'll find the Savior wrapped in cloths, lying. They didn't cross their arms and say, well, we won't find him if we don't go. We've got sheep to watch. We're staying here. We're not, we're not going into Bethlehem. No, that's not what they said. They found the Savior. They went to where Jesus was. And the greatest joy is when we're close to Jesus. We go where he is. When we let him lead and we follow. And we want to be so close to Jesus. Remember as a kid, you're walking in school, junior high or whatever, and if you're too close to someone, you step on the heel of their shoe and you give them a flat. Do, do they still say this? But, you know, oh, you gave me a flat. You know, your shoe comes off. It's annoying. Anyway, not that we want to annoy Jesus, but we want to be so close to him when we follow him. It's as almost as if we, we our foot would hit his sandal. Like, it's spiritual example, but... We want to be close. Follow the Lord. And their joy is found when they find the Savior. John 15, 10, Jesus says, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. When we follow Jesus, obey him, listen to him, if he says go, we go. If he says stay, I'll stay. Whatever you want, Lord. The joy we're looking for is found in obeying and following the Lord. And if some of you maybe in, in this message are, are thinking, you know, I, the, the joy of the Lord hasn't been in my life. There's been a lot of feelings and emotions and struggles, but the just joy of the Lord hasn't been there. It could come down to this point where you've drifted. You're not staying as close to the Lord, maybe as you once were. Or maybe you've resisted and you, you haven't ever had that closeness. You've never just fully surrendered your life and said, Jesus, you're Lord and I'm not. I'm giving you my life. Lead me where you will. I'm surrendering completely and fully my life to you. I believe in you. I trust you. I love you. And I want to be close to you. And there's, in that surrender, there's a joy that comes as he draws you close and you stay there. It's a powerful moment in your life. And all of these passages we've looked at just talk about the joy that comes with it. And if that closeness isn't there, I would encourage you to start considering what's keeping you away? Why are you keeping a distance from Jesus? Is it some other priority? Maybe it's something you're holding on to, uh, just a deep wound or a, an anger. Maybe there's just things in this world that are just enticing you and, and your heart's following things that are drawing you away from the Lord. But 
if that closeness isn't there and the joy isn't there, I'd say just pray about it. Maybe it's a time of discovery. Maybe it's in Jesus. I don't even know what it is. But there's something I feel like that's just keeping me from you. And I, I want to I face that. I want to discover that and go to a new close, close place in my walk with you. We light this Advent candle of joy because there is joy in the Lord. The shepherds experienced it as they found the Savior, and we will too. And my hope and prayer for all of us, whether you're here or watching, is that the joy of the Lord is yours because Jesus is yours. He is your Lord and your Savior. I'm going to lead us in prayer now, and I'm just going to pray out a prayer that you can pray in your heart just to believe fully in the Lord, to commit your life to him and trust in him. It's one that I prayed a long time ago. I was a junior in high school, didn't have a church background at all. But a friend brought me to a youth group, and I found the joy of the Lord in Jesus Christ. And um, I want that for all of you. So let's pray. Let's just look to the Lord. If you want to bow your heads, close your eyes, whatever you're comfortable with. But I just want to lead out a prayer. If you would like to believe in Jesus, just pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you were born of a virgin in Bethlehem, placed in a manger, that you lived a holy life, you taught truth, you worked miracles, you healed the sick, you cast out demons, you fed thousands. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You were buried, and on the third day you rose again. I believe that you defeated death and you ascended to the Father in glory forever. And I ask you to come into my life now to be my Lord and my Savior. Please forgive me for my sins. Please give me the promise of eternal life. Please adopt me into your family as one of your children. I believe in you now and always will. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're a child of God. You are forgiven. You have eternal life, and he will hold you tight both now and forever. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and worship together.
really like that. That was beautiful. Thank you, worship team. I want to give you a benediction blessing as we conclude our time together. This is just a blessing I want to send you out with. May the hope, love, joy, and peace of the Advent season fill your hearts and your lives, ever mindful that the God who saved you will keep you, both now and forever. Amen.